Welcome to Victory Christian Center's audio podcast. We hope this message encourages you, and we look forward to connecting with you on social media or FCCFMD.com. trust that you were able to take a few minutes during your lunchtime this week and pray over the church. Uh, We're just believing that as we join our hearts together in prayer that God's going to do some amazing things because how many of you believe that there's power in prayer and there's amazing things that happen when the people of God come together and they pray. We're continuing our series Um, Summer in the Psalms. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, you can turn with me to Psalm chapter 73. We're going to be jumping around a little bit throughout this chapter today. Psalm chapter 73. We're going to begin with verse 16. Psalm chapter 73, beginning with verse 16. Scripture says, When I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight. Until I came into the sanctuary of God, then I perceived their end. Surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. How they are destroyed in a moment. They are utterly swept away by sudden terrors. Verse 20. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when aroused, you will despise their form. When my heart was embittered and I was pierced within, then I was senseless and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Verse 23, nevertheless, I am continually with you. You have taken hold of my right hand. With your counsel, you will guide me and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. Verse 26 says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you will perish. You have destroyed all those who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, I thank you today for the nearness of your presence. I thank you, Father, that we can walk continually with you. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that your anointing would be upon this word that comes forth. That, Father, it would pierce our hearts and touch our minds. In Jesus' name, in God's people said, amen. Amen. And amen. You know, King David wrote about 73 out of the 150 Psalms. The book of Psalms is probably the most well-known, most quoted, most sung, uh, most read scripture, most comforting scriptures, and, and they all come from the book of Psalms. 
And so this particular psalm is actually a psalm of Asaph. And so Asaph was kind of like a contemporary of David. And he begins in verse 1 by saying, God certainly is good. God certainly is good. How many of you can attest to the goodness of God? God is certainly good. He's surely good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. You know, if there's one thing that remains constant in this ever-changing world of ours, it's the goodness of God, isn't it? Because God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. He's good when life is going good, and he's good when life is not so good. His goodness never changes. It never stops. It never fails. It never runs out. And then Asaph kind of transitions from talking about the goodness of God to talking about the violence of the wicked. And he ends up at verse 16 where we started this morning. And he said, when I thought of understanding this, it was troublesome in my sight. In other words, when I tried to, to comprehend everything, when I tried to wrap my mind around all that was going on, it was just troublesome to me. How many of you can identify with that? When I tried to figure out everything that was going on in the world around me, I just it was just confusing to me. I was just a little troubled by what I was seeing. I tried to understand things that were happening, but I just couldn't. That word troublesome in the Hebrew, it means something that is wearisome, or painful. How many of you have had some thoughts that have been wearisome or painful? It just, it drains you, doesn't it? When you just mull those things over and over again, it becomes wearisome. And I think oftentimes when we find ourselves in that place of confusion, our mind feels clouded. And we can't really see clearly, can we? We, we can't see past the, the situation that we find ourselves in at the moment, at present. Well, there were about six blind gentlemen who decided that they were going to go to the zoo. And they thought, we need to hire a guide who can give us vivid descriptions of what each of these animals look like. They, they wanted to experience all these exotic animals at the zoo. And so they hired a guide, and they got to the zoo, and the zookeeper was with them as well. And so they came to the, the portion of the zoo where they held the elephants. And so the guy who was with them thought, you know, I want them to have more than just a verbal description of what these elephants are like. I actually want them to touch the elephant. I want them to feel it for themselves. And so he decided that he would let each of them come up one at a time and, and feel the elephant so they could get this big picture of what it was that was in front of them. And so the first man reached out and his hand grabbed the elephant's tail. And he said, oh, the elephant is just like a big rope. So he backed away, and, and the next gentleman came up, and he felt the elephant's legs. And he said, no, the elephant's like a log or a tree. He's, he's very large. The third gentleman came forward, and he brushed up against the elephant's side. And he said, no, the elephant's just a big wall. He's not a rope. He's not a tree. He's a wall. The next gentleman reached out and took hold of one of the elephant's ears. And the elephant must have thought it, it tickled, so he started wiggling his ears back and forth. And the gentleman said, no, he's not a wall. He's like a giant fan. So the guide sat there with a, a smile on his face and watched the next gentleman come forward. And he, he felt the elephant's trunk move up and down. He said, friends, you're all wrong. The elephant's like a snake. 
And so the guy is standing there shaking his head saying they're just not getting it. They're just not getting it. And so the final man was completely confused and he reached out hoping that he would get a, a better understanding and find the truth about the elephant. And he grabbed a hold of the elephant's tusk and he said, you're all wrong. The elephant is like a sword. He's very sharp. He can pierce through anything. The zookeeper and the guide smiled at one another, realizing that none of the six gentlemen had pictured what this elephant was. Because you see, where you stand determines what you see. Where you stand determines what you see. And so in this psalm, Asaph says, when I thought of understanding this, it was troublesome in my sight until I entered the sanctuary of God. Where you stand determines what you see. When I tried to figure it out on my own, when I tried to wrap my mind around what was happening, it was troublesome, it was burdensome to me until I came into the sanctuary of God. It was then that my perspective changed. If we read this verse in more modern day translations of scripture, that word entered reads as a, a past tense verb, something that happened once upon a time. But if you read this verse in the original Hebrew, it's actually a present tense verb. When I enter, something that happens on a continual basis. It's not just a one-time thing. It's not just something that happened on one occasion. It's not just something that happened 30 years ago. When I enter daily, right now, in the moment, when I enter into the house of God, something should feel different. Something should feel different. I should leave changed when I enter the house of God. I read a quote this week from A.W. Tozer. He said, we should come to church not anticipating entertainment, but expecting the high and holy manifestation of God's presence. We shouldn't come to church because we want to be entertained. We shouldn't come to church because we want to get a pat on the back. We shouldn't come to church just because we want to sit back and just walk out feeling better about ourselves. We should come to church so that we can experience the fullness of the presence of God being made manifest in our lives. He said, I was troubled until I entered the sanctuary. Because friends, when we enter his sanctuary, we should encounter his presence. Psalm 34, verse 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from them all. Many, how many of you can say, I've had my share. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. I was troubled. I was weighed down by the pressure, by the burden, by the cares of this world until... I came into the house of the Lord. I believe this is why David said, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Because David understood there was something about being in the presence of God that changed everything else that was going on in his life. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. And friends, regardless of what it is that you're going through today, 
It's the joy of the Lord that will be your strength. It's the joy of the Lord that's going to carry you through. Asaph said, I didn't know which way to turn. I didn't know what to do. But I came into the sanctuary. I came into the holy place. And something happened. Something changed. And all of a sudden, I went from confusion to clarity. He cleared up my confusion. In Psalm chapter 84, our scripture says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns and even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. David said, Better is one day, just one day in the house of the Lord than a thousand elsewhere. He said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Better is just one day. In his house, than a thousand anywhere else in Psalm 92, it says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. How many of you are planted in his house this morning? He says, They will flourish in the courts of our God. Because you see, when you're planted in the house of God, you're going to flourish in his courts. My life may have been spiraling out of control. But then I came into his house. But then I came into his presence and everything changed. Everything changed. We sing that chorus in the presence of Jehovah. What happens? Troubles vanish. Hearts are mended when we're in the presence of the king. Life changes when we're in the presence of the king. Some of you this morning may have had a horrible morning. Maybe you forgot your coffee. Maybe you had a rough night. Maybe you argued with your spouse on the way out the door. Left them saying, God bless you, I'm going to church. But you came this morning. You came into his sanctuary. You came into his house. Ushered into his presence. And everything changed. Everything changed. Last night I said to Darren, I said, Darren, I just need to go over to the church. I just need to go to the church just for a little while. Because, friends, when you come into the presence, I can't put it into words enough for you this morning. Sharon didn't know what I was preaching. I didn't know what she was singing. But we sang about the presence. Because when you come into the presence and you come and you lay it down something changes he said I was troubled I was weary I was in pain but I came into his house and everything changed my confusion turned to clarity you jump down to verse 23 Asaph says nevertheless I am continually with you. That word continually means daily, morning, evening. Something that's constant, that should be descriptive of our lives. I don't know about you, but I can't take any time off of being with Jesus. I can't take any time away from staying in his word. I can't take any time away from staying connected to him in prayer, because if I do, it ain't pretty. He said, I'm continually with you. I am continually with you. And then he says, you've taken hold of my right hand. We've all heard that phrase. 
somebody's your right-hand man, right? When the Bible, that phrase right hand is used about 166 times. If you look at the book of Isaiah, chapter 41, scripture says, For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand, who says to you, do not fear, I will help you. See, there's a special significance about the right hand. Because to be at someone's right side is to be at a special place of honor. That's why scripture tells us that when Jesus ascended into heaven, he was seated at the right hand of the throne of God. To be on the right side is to be at a special place of honor. The right hand signifies strength. We know in scripture that patriarchs bless their children with their right hand. In the book of Revelation, we see the right hand as a hand of sovereignty and of authority. You look down to verse 24, he says, You will guide me with your plan, and afterward receive me to glory. It's an assurance for you and I as believers that the Lord will complete his plans for us until he's ready to receive us in glory. See, it carries us through our entire lives. Scripture tells us that the Lord will fulfill his purpose for us. And so Asaph says here, he will complete that's the idea of being continually guided by the counsel of the Lord. And so regardless of the confusion and the chaos that you may experience here on this earth, his hand's going to guide you through it until you get to glory. He's going to guide you through. He goes on to say, whom do I have in heaven but you? And with you I desire nothing on earth. Better is one day in your house, Lord than a thousand anywhere else. There's nothing else I want. There's nothing else that I desire just to be with you because you alone are enough. You alone are enough. He goes on in verse 26 to say, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. This mortal body of mine is going to fade away. It's just temporal. Life may have thrown every curve that it could at me, but God is the strength of my heart. God is the strength of my heart because his strength is made perfect in my weakness. You hear people say it, and I've heard it so much more in, in the past several months than I ever have before of someone passing away, a believer, a saint passing away, and as they're lying there on their deathbed, unconscious, unable to process, unable to speak, unable to communicate, someone starts reading scripture, someone starts praying, someone starts singing over them, and what happens? There's this little sparkle in their eye, and maybe they start singing, maybe they sit up, maybe they they open their eyes because while this mortal body is failing the spirit is very much alive my heart and flesh may fail me but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever and he says as for me the nearness of God is good for me he said I've made the Lord God my refuge how many of you would agree that the nearness of God is a good thing the nearness of God is good. Where can I go from 
of your presence, David says. I'm thankful this morning for the nearness of the presence of God. Scripture says he's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He will never leave you or forsake you. Joshua chapter 1 says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Why? Because the Lord your God will be with you wherever, wherever you go. I wonder this morning if some of you are here and you don't feel like just giving up. Because if we're honest, we've all been there at a time or two, haven't we? You just feel like giving up because you're trying to accomplish it all in your own strength, in your own abilities. You're trying to figure it out on your own, and it just isn't making sense. Perhaps some of you this morning are feeling frustrated because like the men who went to try and figure out what the elephant looked like, you can only see what's right in front of you. You can't see the whole picture. Maybe this morning you need your confusion replaced with clarity. Lord, I don't understand, but I've come into your house. I've come into your presence, and I'm going to lay it down at your feet. I need you to bring clarity to me this morning so that when I leave your house, everything's different. I've got a new perspective. You've taken my confusion and you've given me clarity because I spent time at your feet, because I spent time in your presence where there's fullness of joy. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. We're going to sing that song again in his presence. In his presence, there is peace. And this morning, if you're here and you're just struggling, Regardless of what it is, regardless of what's going on, you're just struggling. Lord, I can't do this any longer. In my own strength, I'm just tired, and I'm weary, and I'm pained. I'm going to ask you this morning, if that's you, just to slip up your hand wherever you are, wherever you're standing this morning. And if you're standing around someone and you see their hand up, I'm going to ask you, as their brother and sister in the Lord to go and lay hands on them and pray for them this morning because we ought to lift one another up in prayer today. And so if you're here this morning and you need prayer, I want you just to slip up your hands. We want to gather around you. We want to pray with you this morning. We're going to sing this song again. It is presence. It is presence. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you. 
morning, pray for strength. Pray for encouragement. Pray for peace for them this morning. I know I got a life full of 
Christian Center's audio podcast. We look forward to connecting with you on our social media or at FCCFMD.com.